Welcome to Tulip Time Hangover Sunday. I applaud each and every one of you for being here this morning. Uh, just a quick, we haven't really announced this very regularly for the last month or two, but um, if you kind of consider the auditorium here where you regularly worship and like consider yourself part of our auditorium family, we would love to have you on our list just because occasionally about once a month or so, I try and send out a email, here's what's going on, here's what's coming up, and um, we're going to be having another auditorium family potluck in early June. Yes, awesome. So we just want your contact information. So if you would give this a promise, we won't spam you, promise we won't put you on any other list, promise we're not gonna send you a bunch of stuff you don't want, but on the coffee table, uh, where the coffee is, is just a little sign-up sheet. Just go ahead, there's a pen there, fill it out. Just leave this on the table and we will pick it up uh, after the service this morning. All right. We are in our I Am series and we're exploring seven different statements, metaphorical statements that Jesus used in the Gospel of John to to really reveal who he is. So in past weeks, we've talked about I am itself and how important that is. We've talked about Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world. Today, he uses the metaphor, I am the gate for the sheep. Interesting metaphor, all right? So what we wanna do every week, so we just kinda wanna think, when you think of Jesus as a gate or a gateway, what, does that, what resonates for you in that? What connects for you in that from your own experience, Jesus being sort of an entryway, a door? So what I'd like to do is take a couple minutes. We're gonna have some neighborhood time. For those of you who may be new, this is just the time we get together. People right around us here in the chairs talk about what does that mean to me? What does it mean to you? If you're an introvert and that scares the bejeebers out of you, just, hey, hang out, bow your head, pretend you're praying, all right? Here we go, take a couple minutes. What does that mean? I am the gate. All right, bring it on in. I'd like us to think a little bit about our own lives. And there are certain things in life that are, so often our thoughts, our emotions, our feelings are so tied to whatever is going on right now in my life, whatever is right in my story. Uh, and yet, our story is part of a much larger story. A couple of weeks ago, and just FYI, a couple of years, weeks ago, I preached in the sanctuary on Jesus being the bread of life. And um, depending on who you talk to, it was either the most amazing thing that they've ever heard or the most confusing thing that they've ever heard. So, but I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna bring it in and I'm gonna connect what we're doing this morning to what I talked about two weeks ago. So you, if you didn't, you don't have to have heard that to, to connect this, but I would encourage you if you haven't done so to go back and listen to that message. Because in that message, I talked about the fact that everything is connected even in our lives and our stories, wherever that is. So Wendy and I, so what's, what's one of the things that's really funny about Wendy and me is that we didn't meet until uh, we were both adults, but we discovered as we shared our stories with one another that when I was in high school, 
in Des Moines going to First Federated Church as a member of the youth group there. Wendy was in elementary school going to First Federated Church at the same time. So you start thinking about that and you start kind of going, we probably crossed paths in the hallway at First Federated Church and we're probably like, oh, I mean, I mean could you imagine? Going, oh, that's the girl you're gonna marry someday. What? <laughs> but at the time, I was really enamored with my girlfriend who I dated for two years in high school and I thought I was gonna marry her and I thought we were gonna have kids and, and we had the whole thing planned out. And then, just a couple weeks before senior prom, she announced to me that she was breaking up with me and not only that, but she was gonna start going with one of my best friends and going to prom with him. And my life was devastated. Have you ever had one of those moments? I was devastated. This is not part of the story. And I was so focused on this moment in which my heart was broken and my life is over. But it wasn't. Because God had this story for my life. And while I didn't know what the story was, God knew what the story was. So as little Wendy, the elementary school student, and me, the high school student, maybe had passed in the hallway, I'm sure Holy Spirit was just laughing, going, ha ha, if you only knew. But we don't. We don't. And it's important for us as disciples of Jesus to see our lives and our story in this moment, wherever we're at, whatever's going on, to understand that we are part, you are part of a much larger story. And if we don't understand the context of the larger story, we're not going to be able to walk through the moment-by-moment -moment tough times in our life. But if we understand the context of the, the bigger story, it helps us to put it in context, is what Paul said. He talked about the fact that he was shipwrecked and he was beaten and he was thrown in prison and at one point he died and went to heaven and came back to life and he was, all these things happened. But he said this light, momentary affliction is just preparing us for this amazing glory that God is just preparing us for. Well, if you don't understand the bigger story, we can't understand that what I'm going through in this moment is just light momentary affliction. So let's put it in context of the great story. Now, a couple of weeks ago, so, and I always talk about it as the great story from Genesis through Revelation, okay? So we have in Genesis this garden, all right, tree of life, the tree of knowledge of the base and evil, and then in Revelation is where we have this story uh, comes, comes, this part of the story comes to an end and a whole new story begins with the new heaven and new earth. So we have this great story from beginning to end and what God is, wants us to do is to understand that he is moving us from here to here. You guys, you are part of this story. Your life, whatever you're going through in this moment, you are part of the story. And your story fits into the great story. Now, what's really interesting is that there are scholars, um, I want to lay something else over this. Some scholars talk about the entire great story being a, really about empire, 
versus kingdom. So empire is all what humans do. We've, humans are empire builders. The United States is an empire. We had the Egyptian empire. We had the Roman empire. We had the, the Babylonian empire. This world, as human beings, we are empire builders. Even on a small scale, I can try and build an empire for my own life and control it. Contrasted with what God is trying to teach us in kingdom. So in the past, we've talked about there being three levels. My relationship with God is level one. My relationship in, in my community is level two. My relationship with the institutions and kingdoms of this world, the empires of this world are level three, whether that be business or religious institutions or government institutions. And then God is trying to say, no, there's this level four kingdom that Jesus came to bring to earth. And so Jesus, the Messiah, comes to earth. And in today's metaphor, we're talking about Jesus as a gate, as a door. So we're going to have a little thing, a little thing. Now, one of the things about a gate is it's about going in or out. In or out. And it's really interesting about the phrase when he says, I am a gate, is he uses a Greek word, word thyra. i got to get a Y in there. Thyra, which is a very generic word. It doesn't necessarily mean specifically a sheep gate. It means generically any kind of an entrance, a door, a way in, a way out. And there's a reason why I think he uses that word. Because the whole great story from beginning to end is really about out and in. So in, Re in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, what do we got here? 24, we got that up in there. God drives Adam and Eve, because of their sin, out of the Garden of Eden. And then he puts this big angel with a sword, a flaming sword, says we are now out of the garden. We are out of God's presence. So the rest of the story, from beginning to end, is about how we get back in. Well, it's a long story. So God has his own people. And he has these, Abraham gets uh, these descendants, and we're in Egypt now. I'm going to make a little pyramid here. We're in Egypt, right? And everybody's our slaves in Egypt, and we've got our little huts here where all the Hebrews lived in their huts. And God said to the slaves in Egypt, um, I want to get you out of Egypt. So he sends Moses, the deliverer, and let me go to Exodus chapter 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole committee of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, each man is to take a lamb for his family one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with the nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. In other words, if you go back to my message two weeks ago, God's saying, make sure that everyone has enough, all right? Same thing with the manna, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago. The animals you must choose will be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep 
or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter the lamb, the sacrificial lamb at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the doorway, the frame of the doorway. And we put the blood over the doorway, okay? And then he goes down to verse 12. On the same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. So the angel of death goes to the camp, but if you had blood, the blood of the sacrificed lamb over your doorway, it passed over. So that's why we celebrate Passover. That's what it is. So if you go in to the door that has the blood of the lamb, you don't die. Sound familiar? You see, everything that God did in the Old Testament was just a foreshadowing of what he wanted to do for us Ultimately, make, make, make my little person here, all right, my little person, here I am, this sinful person knocked out of the Garden of Eden, living my sinful life in this world of sin, and what God was doing in the Old Testament is saying, how do I get in to this eternity that God is making in Revelation? Well, God says to the Israelites, I am going to take you out of Egypt and slavery and two, take you into the promised land. Oh, all right. Now this is just really cool. I love God, how God works. I was thinking about this whole thing for the last couple of weeks and how it's all coming together. And then, I, but there's a piece missing. So I'm just praying, God, how does this all, I'm missing a piece here. So on my daily chapter day uh, blog, I'm going through the book of Jeremiah, which is really interesting. So in Jeremiah chapters, okay, 22 and three, 22, three, 23, through those two chapters, here's what's happening. So God brings his people into the promised land. And now he sets up the kingdom under David. And I've got my nation. I'm the nation of Israel. And through the prophet Jeremiah, God says he's really angry with kings, the priests, and the prophets. And he says so, why, in chapter 23, verse 1, woe to the shepherds, who are destroying and scattering my sheep. The sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord God of Israel says to the shepherds. So the kings, the priests, and the prophets were supposed to be shepherds of God's people. But they, because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for what you have done. All right, stick with me here, okay? Now we're gonna go to John chapter 10, which is our text for this morning. So Jesus is talking to 
the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Now, here's what's interesting. You go to the Old Testament, if you were only a king if you're part of the lineage of David. You're only a priest if you're part of the lineage of Aaron. You only worked in the temple as a religious leader if you were part of the lineage of the Levites. So God said when he established his nation in the promised land, he said, you are to be my people, my shepherds for the people. But they didn't shepherd the people. So now Jesus comes on the scene and he's talking to the Pharisees and the religious leaders and the scribes and the priests. It's the same group that God was talking to in Jeremiah. It's the same people. The same people in Jesus' day were doing the same thing as they were doing back in the time of Jeremiah. Which, by the way, when Jeremiah was telling them that God was not happy with them, he said, I'm sending you into exile. (laughs) Remember exile? We spent a whole year on exile. I'm gonna send you out of the promised land and into exile. So now we have these people in exile. Jesus comes and talks to these same Pharisees. 10, very truly, I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him And the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they're never going to follow a stranger because they don't recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees didn't understand. No, Pharisees didn't understand the metaphors Jesus was using. So let's try and understand and not be like them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate, the thyra, the entrance, the doorway, the in and out. All who have come before me, all who have come before me, kings, priests, prophets who were supposed to be shepherds, but they weren't because they scattered the sheep, they destroyed the sheep, they didn't do what they were supposed to do, Everyone who has come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me, whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And then he goes on and he says, I am the good shepherd for the sheep who lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, the kings, like the kings and the priests and the prophets of the Old Testament, they were just hired hands. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. So in the Old Testament, When King Zedekiah saw the Babylonians coming, didn't save the people, refused to follow God, and they were scattered into exile. 
Jesus is contrasting what he's doing on a kingdom level versus what the world knows about empire and government and human interaction. I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Hired hand does not know the own sheep. When he comes, he abandons and runs away. Okay, but we're not done. All right? Because then we're going to go to Revelation 3.20. Because here I am, this really poorly driven stick figure, right? And Jesus says in verse, chapter 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And anyone who opens the door... I will come into them and I will feast with them. We'll have dinner together and they with me. Now what do we have? The circle of love. Have we been talking about the circle of love? Here's the circle of love. Jesus comes into me. I enter into him. And just like Jesus said in John 14, I want to be one with you the same way I'm one with the Father, the same way I'm one with the Spirit, because I'm going to send you the Spirit, and the Spirit is going to indwell you, and now we're one big circle of love together on an internal kingdom level. Okay? Stick with me. <laughs> Not quite done yet, all right? So now you go to 1 Peter 2.9. And God says that everyone who is in Christ and Christ is in them, everyone who is part of this circle of love is part of a royal priesthood. Which means you and I, if we are both in Christ, are part of a royal priest. We are priests. What is a priest? A priest is someone who's between God and a person, and that priest connects them to God. So now, we're out in our families, and in our jobs, and in our community, and we're out at Tulip Time, talking to people that we don't know, and we're, here we're out, and he's saying, you are part of a priesthood that connects those people to the circle of love. Every one of you, everywhere you go, whether it's at school or work or the neighborhood, or the, you are part of a royal priesthood. Not like the priesthood of old that were just hired hands that did nothing. You're part of a priesthood that's part of the circle of love, that's part of a kingdom priesthood. And we help draw people into the same life that we're going to experience in eternity. Here's where it gets interesting. We live in interesting times. One of the things that Satan did, we had this Jesus movement in the first century, first two, three centuries. Christianity was turning the world upside down. 
it was organic, it was happening, it was an organism, Holy Spirit's moving, revival's happening everywhere. And I believe that the enemy said, this kingdom business, Jesus and his people and his kingdom, I can't stop him. So he did this. He made Christianity the empire. Dun, 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 dun. Constantine becomes a Christian. He's the emperor of the Roman Empire. And within a century, the church of Jesus Christ became the Holy Roman Empire, an institution and a kingdom of this world. And for 1,600 years, Christianity was an institution, just like the Reformed Church that we left a year ago. What were those institutions about? They were a small group of people in, on the East Coast who dictated to all the people in the institution around the world what you had to give money-wise, what you had to believe, who was in, who was out, who was acceptable, who was not. And I find it fascinating that almost all of the mainline denominations that were in power when I was a child have all imploded. They're falling apart. And what's happening? It's now, now here we are, a third church, with some other local churches that are like-minded with us, just saying, we wanna follow what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. And we wanna follow a different paradigm. Instead of it about being an institution, we want it to be about God's kingdom, in which every one of us fulfill our calling as a royal priesthood. Everyone, every day, everywhere, bringing the kingdom of God to the people in our circles of influence. That's a different paradigm. So now, as I am going through and thinking about what's going on in my life, yeah, wait a minute, God. Yeah, I know things aren't great right now, and I know I'm really struggling with this, but you know what, I am part of a royal priesthood with other believers here at Third Church and in my community who can help me get through this. And guess what? This is not just about me. It's about what God is ultimately doing on a kingdom level. So finally, we get to Revelation. And we're gonna go to Revelation chapter 25, 21. Uh, Revelation 21, 25 through 27. We get to the end of the story, and there is a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem, a new city. And of this city, it says, on no day will its gates ever be shut. For there will be no night there, no darkness. The glory 
and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So, here we have the New Jerusalem with 12 gates around the four corners, four sides of the city. Eden was shut to us, not going back to Eden. But someday God is going to create a new heaven, a new earth, and a new city, and we are going to enter in. So our, what we've been doing every week is talking about because I am blank. The whole idea is here, because Jesus is who he says he is, what should that mean for us every day? How, does that, how do we respond? Well, a couple things that I was thinking. One is, and I think we've got the slide here, because I am the gate, I will enter into Jesus and he into me. And if you have not invited Christ into your life, if you have not entered through the gate into a relationship with him, that's where you start. And don't think about anything else until you do that. And if you've never done that and you want to do that, come to talk to me uh, or talk to our prayer ministers at the end of the service. But the other thing is, I think about, is this. And it's not on the screen because I thought about it this morning as I was getting ready. You see, we're shepherds. As part of the royal priesthood, just as God expected the priests of Jeremiah's day to be a shepherd, because we're part of a royal priesthood, you and I are shepherds. Mom, dad, you are the shepherd of your family. Are you scattering the sheep or are you bringing them into the pasture through the gate? Managers, supervisors, executives, business owners, you are a shepherd of the people you serve as a leader. So are you, in the way that you are leading people in business, a shepherd revealing how a servant leader, how a shepherd is supposed to lead the sheep? Or have you disconnected who you are at work from who you are on Sunday morning? Young people, whatever your age, however young you are, you, as a, as a person who is in Christ and Christ is in you, you are a shepherd of the friends in your circles of influence. Are you following where other people lead, sometimes into places that aren't very good, into things that aren't very healthy? Or are you leading your friends to the good shepherd by the way you act and think and talk and behave? Because Jesus said, I am the gate, I will be a good shepherd for those people in my circles of influence so that I can help lead them to the eternity that Christ has for us. Make sense? 
All right. Worship team, come on up. And you can take the whiteboard away. We're going to have one more worship song. And then we are going to, uh, we're going to have communion. So we'll have elders, deacons serving communion. Uh, opportunity to just come up, partake of the body and the blood of Christ, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. We will have prayer ministers right up here. If you need prayer, if you would like uh, someone to just even pray for you, say, hey, I want to be a better good shepherd in my family or my, my neighborhood or whatever. Help me, God, to be a better shepherd. Come on up. They'd be happy to pray with you. If you need Jesus in your heart and life, they'd be happy to pray with you and help you go in through the gate and invite Jesus into your life. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I love how it all connects. God, I love being a part of a bigger story. I love that my life, even the stupid, rotten, awful, sinful, dark and wicked things that have existed in my life and in my story, all of those are just light, momentary, dark things that your blood has washed over and purified from all unrighteousness, that you came to redeem all things, and you came, Jesus, to teach us about glory of your eternal kingdom. So help us, like we pray every week, to be people of your kingdom, that your kingdom will come, not because, <laughs> because we are here and we are your kingdom people. May your kingdom come to every block, house, school, neighborhood, community, because we are kingdom people and we are being good shepherds of the people that you've put into our lives. And I ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen.